Hey y'all, welcome to the Bench Points Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Damagala. On this episode today, I've got my good friend, Ben Schultz. He's coming on. We're doing a little movie review. The Killers of Flower Moon, the new Leo and Martin Scorsese film. Just dropped. We just watched it. Took some time to digest. And we're ready to give a little review. So obviously, spoilers ahead. I would say skip about like 22 minutes into the conversation when we really get uh, on track. You know, so many stories pop up and, you know, our minds are just racing through this. So we were just excited and had a good time uh, doing this. So I really appreciate it if you guys give it a listen and we enjoy doing this for you. So um, take care and just enjoy. Peace. How do you keep your uh, breathing from receiving in the microphone? So, you know... Do you just keep it, like, below your mouth? I've just always been a nose breather, but while I'm I... I'm a nose breather as well, but my nose... Are you? I am. I am, actually, yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you couldn't breathe out through your nose. Your nose isn't, like, crazy clogged? Well, so when I'm at my house, when there's mold everywhere, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean... You're lucky to be blessed in this house. This house is uh, probably mold-free, I would imagine, because it's relatively new and all the insulation and everything's probably... The house is new? Up to... I mean, not new, but like newer than my house, which is... Oh, yeah. Was made in the 1900s. Yeah. Um, like early 1900s. Oh. Like probably like 1902. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I There was this... Um... Are we on? Yeah, oh, yeah, we're going. This is in there. <laughs> Oh man, I uh, told Baron I'd I'd let her uh, <laughs> I'd let her uh, listen to this. So we'll oh, let her, bro. Yeah, she's yeah. like what seventeen? <laughs> well, she doesn't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, what were we talking about? Like the house thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, breathing wise. Yeah. So you know, there's something called like a pop filter. Yeah. So we go like, it's gonna sound bad. It's gonna like not sound great. And so I had like a pop filter with this mic. Um, oh, but it's like a stand. The, yeah, it's this like thing that, that goes around it. That mesh thing that rappers have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. sometimes you know, all those microphones that you see, like news anchors use that yeah. that black thing, that foam thing. That's a pop filter on top of it. Oh. And so it helps those P's. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because it absorbs some of that sound. Yeah, I it's guess kind of it protects it. it. I, I would think know. it's like it's similar to like when you're in a studio or something, which I've never been in. Yeah. Like those foam, you know, how the foam yes. like absorbs the sound. I everything. got a story for that. Oh, yeah. So when I was in high school, I, I, some people know this, some people don't. Like, I had a podcast before this. You know, I had the Ginger and the Giant with, Ginger with Giant. Uh, Zach. That's good. That should be a nice little, that would be like a sick intro, like just a screaming thing. Oh, yeah. It's like th- that reminded me of like, was it the Dr. Pepper commercial with that little guy? <laughs> Fandom? Fanville? I don't know. <laughs> Fanville? <laughs> That, yeah, that's, that's well, I'm funny. Um, so I had a podcast with some a couple of my other high school friends, Kai and Adam, and we were, it was called The Hot Dish at the time, and we just recorded stuff. Like one time we had a podcast where we played Monopoly. Mm. That was the podcast. You were pretty good at Monopoly, I think, back in the day. Oh, yeah, I loved Monopoly. Monopoly doesn't m- mean anything to me now because I'd rather play Catan because I think it's – and there's some similarities in those games a little bit, you know what I mean? Like – obviously dominating and going further and like you're trying to like that's how the game ends with someone like being on top as most games do they took over um anyways so i i'm ta'd for the media center 
and this guy named Tony, he was so sick. And I told him about my podcast and I asked him technology questions because he's there for the technology help. And so he came back to school one day and he gave me all these foam panels, Beauty. all these foam panels. And so what I did being the I don't know, proactive person or entrepreneur, I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I'm going to set up a studio. And so downstairs in the out. guest room, there's this closet. And back in the day, I used to record in that closet because I used to have like this blue Yeti mic, this silver one. People know what I'm talking about. Like that sound is about. terrible mm. if it's not in a small space. Mm. With these, why I love them so much, these Spark Digitals that we're using right now, is I'm able to do it wherever. Right. With the other one, you couldn't. Right. It would be too echoey. Right. And so we'd use Kai, Adam, and I would all get into this small little closet, three people, and just like, drop a pod and that that stuff was fun and i put it all on the wall the the foam panels i duct taped it to the painted wall yeah i had to take it down before my mom got home my dad's like you better take that you better take that down because you obviously don't like we don't ever allowed to like put stickers on walls or right. doors or and put anything on our doors or anything like that that's what you have a shelf for or a bunk bed for <laughs> and so it was really nice but i don't know where those foam panels are now but we're lucky enough to have these Garbage. mics here yeah. In the ocean. Um, With the fish. I, I, know it, I honestly have no idea where they are. Seriously. Yeah. I don't know. I've come, I've come a long way. Like, how this podcasting thing all started was, I was give so for Christmas, I got a pair of Beats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do I want these Beats or do I want to return it for that Blue Yeti? And mm. I decided to return it for the Blue Yeti. And some people might think, you know, that's stupid because I ended up doing nothing with the mics until Ginger and the Giant, like releasing wise. I recorded a bunch and I believe I used my mic for another friend who was recording Minecraft videos and I wanted to be included. And so I'd have the mic up for that too. And I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be worth it. That was your contribution to the team. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sound terrible. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sound. Yeah. Come on. And so, I mean, I'm good now. The mics are no regret and I still have that other one. And I've been lucky enough to get another free one and I gave it to my boy and just like, it's been really nice. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> the reason why we're here is, you know, the bench points was, you know, mostly sports and mostly sports and NBA. And I'm here to change things. I, I want to there's a whole lot of audience and there's a lot of, you know, people that maybe not be interested in that. And there's a lot of things that I'm interested in other than sports. It's not my personality. And maybe I fear that a little bit, you know, um, but I wanted to talk about movies. And I love movies, and I want to talk to so many people about it. I was thinking about bringing on Adam and talking Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and all that stuff. But with you, we've seen a movie recently, and we've seen a couple movies recently. I thought we'd just break it down. And why? First of all, I want to say this: Why the hell are we watching three-hour movies now? Why is that a common practice? <clears throat> I think that's maybe Leo's mo now. So the movie we're talking about is Killers of the Flower Moon. That movie was like three hours twenty-six minutes. Yeah, and it didn't feel like I told you that right as we ended the movie. It didn't feel like three hours. Granted, we were also uh, heavily. We were drinking a lot. We were drinking a little bit, <laughs> so you know I was getting up to pee a lot. I definitely wazzed in the middle of it, and um, I don't know. You got up twice to pee, bro. I got up at least twice. <laughs> oh my! I gosh. got up at least twice. I think maybe more, um, and. Even from the moments that I missed, nothing felt lost over my head. Everything felt pretty fluid throughout. And I don't know, I was I was pretty in the movie the whole time. I never yeah. was like, oh, what's this part? Like, you know, like 
I don't know, this could have been left out or whatever. Um, it all kind of felt essential. Oh, it was de- the whole thing mattered, I think, to the plot of yeah. what was going on. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to do spoilers on this podcast or no, not. No, we 100% are doing spoilers. Because we're breaking if it you're down. Li- if, you're, if we're breaking it down. Oh, yeah, spoilers alert. No, I'll say that in the intro, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, people don't, if you're continuing to watch a review and you're like, I I bet they won't talk about this. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Get your head out of your ass. Anyways, why I say that is because the last movie we both saw together in theaters was a three-hour Oppenheimer movie. I think that was like three hours, like two minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a person who, unless it's an animated film or maybe a comedy. Sure. That's like usually an hour and a half. Right. And then dramas or like good movies tend to be a little bit over two hours. And I actually prefer that. I enjoy that. I think hour and a half is too short. Most movies back in the day. Back in the. Yeah. I felt like when we were growing up, most movies were between an hour and two hours. Yes. And the longer movies went past two hours and everybody's like, you know, like if if they're telling you, if you're asking how good the movie was, they're like, but it was also, you know, whatever, however long. Because, you know, you're going to, it's a bit of a commitment to sit down and watch it. Yeah, like but, Troy is like four hours long, the one with Brad Pitt. Right, you could have been four watching hours. TikTok for three hours. Like, <laughs> you know how many videos you could have been scrolling Do you know through? how many videos you could have chumped through your brain so right there? So many memes right there, man. So many memes lost Do you know how many things on. you could have learned about your side hustle that you don't have? Dude. With those three hours? You could be a millionaire by now. You could have been a millionaire by the end of the movie. You're not a millionaire. You're a broke boy. Said you're a bomb. So you're a bomb. <laughs> Anyways, I, honestly, Bomba clap. Sorry. <laughs> Have you seen that video of that guy just rapping like in Jamaican and stuff like that? No, dude, I was Someone watching. Someone just sent some, me that. Oh, really? Did you just send me a TikTok about it? No, no, I was watching TikTok today, and this uh, white dude was working on his car in Jamaica, and he's like talking like a Jamaican, like, and so he's telling this story about how his son, um, well, he raised his son in Jamaica, and then his son. Uh, moves to Toronto, I guess. And then he almost, his son almost beefs with this other Jamaican guy because he thinks he's faking it. Yeah. But then he finds out like, oh yeah, he was born and raised in Jamaica. Yeah. So anyway, like they're going around and they're interviewing these white dudes who like nobody expects to be Jamaican, but they are Jamaican. And like, yeah, so. It's like the white guy who grew up in China. Mm. And everyone, like, if he comes back to the States or something, people will be like, what the hell is he, t- why is he talking like that? Right. But you're like, you're born in China, you know what That's I mean? That's just, yeah, the language you grew up speaking, you know, or like the culture you grew up around. <laughs> Would Is Jamaica on your list? Oh, Jamaica could be. It Montego definitely could Bay. be. Yeah. I hear a lot about that, like vacation spot. But Have you uh, seen what spot ended up opening up at Bidet Makaska that, uh, uh, lakeside no. area. No, so what's going on? The original place was that, sil- uh, what was it called? Tin Fish, I think. The place that burned down? The place that burned down, yeah. Which I think was due to maybe Arson? some idiot in the in the back, or it could have also been lightning. What? I don't know. I feel like I've heard mixed stories, but yeah, essentially it burned down. And... You know, most of the time, if you're by the water, you've got Lake Harriet. You got uh, bread and or what's it called? Uh, bread and butter. Bread and pickle. Bread. Yeah. Is it that? Yeah, bread and pickle. Yeah. Which you know serves like French fries and fish and whatever. And then like Minnehaha Falls has got um, their seafood restaurant as well that's there, and it's kind of its own thing. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of a thing for lakeside 
establishments. It's like it's its own thing and they serve fish. And instead of like reenacting the mold and just hopping right back into the cookie cutter, they uh, they dropped. They actually brought a second establishment of Pimento, which is this Jamaican spot Mm -hmm. in uh, Midtown, which is where me and Ava were going when you saw me. When you were driving through the street and you yelled out my name and yeah. me and Ava were eating at uh, Black Sheep, yeah. we were having appetizers because Pimento hadn't opened up yet. Um, really? Yeah, they weren't like serving food yet. And so we had to come back when it was like time to open, which was yeah. in like, I don't know, 30 minutes or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, really good food. Really? Shout out to Pimento. And they just opened up a spot on Bidet Makaska with like cool new seating and... Also, if you've ever seen those pour your own beers where you like, they give you a cup and, and you, you pay push for, it down or something and, like and that. You, yeah. And well, they've got the taps not behind the bar. They've got them out there and you pick whichever beer you want. Yeah. And then, I mean, most of the systems like me and my mom just went to, uh, I think it was tap society. I think that's what it's called. So how do you not get unlimited beers? Yeah, so the way they did it is they have the Tap Society. They have this card, and you put a certain amount of money on it. So it's like a... An arcade? Um, yeah, it's essentially Fuck like an arcade. That. And so you put the card on the thing, and then you pour the amount of beer, whatever. Or I think you can do Unlimited as well, and then just pay for it afterwards. But anyway, so... That's so stupid. I hate when people like giving more like random pieces of technology. I'm trying to ease and when I'm eating, I'm not trying to do a lot. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Especially when I'm eating out. Don't give me a card to like scan it, like I'm going for tokens or something like but that. But some people also like not interacting with many people. They also like the convenience factor of like showing up to a place like Tap Society where you order your food on a laptop or on a iPad thing. Yeah. And then you go and get the beer that you want and the food comes out relatively quickly because that's all they're doing is churning out food you also don't i mean you you can but like you know i feel like when you're if you're tipping the money is being collectively that you're paying for the food is collectively i would imagine going towards the establishment yeah could be could be wrong completely wrong about that maybe it's just the tips that are (laughs) divided between the workers i'm not sure but Regardless, there's less people who are, have to man the ship. Yeah. So more money goes towards everybody else. But how much did that technology cost to set up and then how much the shit to fix and all that? It's stuff. an iPad and a arcade reader at a at a freaking uh, yeah. tap uh, pouring thing. All right. We're going to take a quick break because I'm going to go grab the pizza out of the oven. But we are going to continue this conversation. Pizza time. Because, pizza time. Mm, it's and we're going to continue this because Starbucks should not be asking me for a goddamn tip. Why? Why are they asking for tips? You know what they did? I, I pulled through the drive-thru. They hand me the stick. The stick. With like the, where, you know, I insert my card. Like they're reaching yeah, out. What yeah. happened to taking my card first of all? <laughs> COVID. And no, it's because they want to like hand it back to me to press what screen I want to press for a goddamn tip. Oh, it's so annoying. And then it's also like 15, 20, 25%. And like they're looking at you like you're a criminal if you like press you guys, other thought, option yeah. to say nothing. <laughs> I am I am boiling over this iPad revolution that is taking over every commer- every restaurant we go to now. Flip yep. that shit over. Don't just blatantly ask me for tip. I'll I'll eat my food and then I'll think about it. 
You know yep. what I mean? Yep. Oh my gosh. It annoys, it annoys me so bad, especially at Starbucks. I think robots were starting to ask for like tips on like a regular things. Oh really? Like that has no human assistance to it. They're just like, you know, you're tipping on this. I saw like a picture online about that. Well, and I think what it's if you had a tip for gas. It's bro? similar to like, it's similar to donations. I think websites that ask you for donations, they're just putting it out there because they know that some people will donate. Yes. You know, it's like people and, and there's also a culture around like shame. Like if you don't tip, then there's this shame with it because I've for a long time, at least in a lot of places. And this might, this is probably still true to in some places in America, but you know, some people, the minimum wage is awful. And so they can't rely on their actual wages to support themselves. So Mm -hmm. then it's rely completely on the customer. And is that only in this country? (laughs) I would imagine not. I would well maybe actually because Europe like, has a big culture of not tipping. Right, everything is built into it. So right. I mean, we could be the only, we could be one of the only countries that puts all of the pressure on the customer to provide for the employees, which is insane. Which is insane. And you know what? We'll get right back, and maybe we'll talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you like notice these things when you're walking around campus like all of a sudden everybody's wearing the same thing it's like oh wow like so everyone's is, riding their this riding a wave yeah well there'll be like waves yeah and you'll you'll see them walk through campus <laughs> and so is it weird that people ride waves in search of individuality and then just end up doing the same thing as everyone else it is interesting because most often the people that want to do their own thing still want to do what the group is doing but in their own way so they don't seem like they're just copying everyone else insecurities uh maybe human nature maybe uh you know when you pretend when you're doing something different from the group the group thinks oh you think you're better than us yeah you know so it's like you know if you don't if you don't sign, if you don't uh, rush for the frat, then they think you're oh you're goddamn independent. If Can you, you imagine if rushing you for a frat freshman <laughs> year, cleaning up after a, a huge ass party that we barely get to like participate in yeah, yeah. the next day yeah. and do like all these? I'm seeing in Eau Claire it would have been completely different though. No, but like if we went to a big school like and we did all like the southern, obviously the southern. Greek life is crazy, mm-hmm. especially sororities. Like, there's this whole doc I don't know if you saw about like the Alabama sororities. They made a whole HBO thing. I about was just it. about to bring that up because if you didn't bring it up, because Barrett, shout out Barrett, my sister. Yeah, she was, she was, she showed me that trailer or the video or whatever yeah. it was. Oh my god, it's such a big deal. And then you see all these like tiktoks of the the male pledges like things they randomly have to do fuck that uh, and you're just there's a lot 18. of benefits that come with it now like with private chefs and and uh you know having your own parties built into 
the payment system, but you do have yeah, to pay to but be there's, in there too. But you do have to pay to be in there, and it's it's yeah, it's like pay to be in there, and then take all your time, take a lot of. Bitch oh, it takes work. a lot of time. Yeah, I remember Spud. He would talk about like the meetings that they'd have to go to. Yeah, and it's like he had other things that he was trying to do, but like you're expected to exactly. go exactly, and if you don't, then you're probably on your way out. But I don't know, and then I just see like hear all these like kind of rituals or stuff they all had to do or like things that you stuff. have to do not just hazing stuff but like just requirements of the frat and just these like well yeah, yeah it's my big bro little bro i don't know yeah it's just not for me i think and i don't know i think it's a little whack yeah I'm like we're you. adults now i'm with you and now we're doing like this stuff <laughs> like, i'm with you i i think it's i think it's interesting being that it's a club that revolves around social aspects whereas like most other clubs the social aspects revolve around the specific thing that you guys are there for yeah um so it is interesting in that like yeah it prioritizes that social aspect um it does feel weird that a social aspect has to be paid for like that that does uh seem like i don't know it rubs me the wrong way i'm like i I feel like i shouldn't be paying for something if i'm volunteering to be social with these people yeah you know i mean uh, i mean you go to most social events and you have to pay for something but yes but uh just being that it's an organization devoted towards these creating like a uh, a family of sorts and you have to pay for it yeah it's kind of odd but um you know everybody's got their thing and and also sometimes it's like it's this legacy thing too. Like definitely. And, and also I think another thing too, is like a lot of people, you know, you get jobs through the people that you know, and it just by de facto expands your network. And well, there could be their exact same frat somewhere here. And then same in like Texas, like obviously like this, whatever, like right. the symbols are like, right. There's many of those all across the country and there can be some unity with that. Right. Well, and if you were to be living in Oklahoma for whatever reason, and then now you're... Oh, are we going to talk about the movie? And now you're... Oh, that's actually a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, say you're like, I don't know, looking for a job or something. And the person who's hiring like that you've applied to is from Minnesota. All of a sudden you've got some link. And, oh, yeah. you know, it's those little things in such a big job market, too, that makes it appealing you know, obviously they have a good time, but also like there are professional benefits as well. Yeah. Um, I had a job interview, you know, last spring for this company that I wanted to work for. And this is like my second interview. Right. And the guy who was interviewing me and then this other lady, the guy went to Eau Claire. Yeah. Also worked for Eau Claire Express. Crazy. I'm just chopping it up right there. I think I was a shoe in. Yeah. Nah. No. No, and then they end they end the interview with this question. They end end with like, okay, if you had to be a superpower, if you were able to have a superpower, what would it be? What? what I'm I love those 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 are fun questions. And those are fun questions, but I don't see the applicability to like seeing whether this person's capable of doing the job that you're. Well, like, maybe you're trying to match like the office culture, not of oh, uh, like sure. talking about superheroes the whole time, sure. but like, yeah, are you down to like just chop it up you know yeah. what i mean and be cool about that right, right and i gave my answer i said i mean i told him i'm between flight and invisibility and yeah. or teleportation flight or invisibility and i just rocked it being as someone who enjoyed comics at a time i don't like marvel now at all but like 
It just, it was very interesting. And I thought I was like a shoe in. Nah. Damn. What was the job again? I won't get into that. Sure. I won't get into that. You should probably talk about the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Leo's latest. Leo, I believe. So when I'm, I recently have been watching like Entourage and I just finished it. And the show is based around a guy who's a movie star. And you come into the show with him already being a movie star. And then he's got his crew around him, the entourage. Right. And, you know, it's um, for some reason, I just there's a lot of things you see behind the scenes of how they work. And then they, what, what the shit they do outside of it. And I was viewing this whole time. The main character's name is Vince. And I view Vince a lot when I was watching the show as Leo DiCaprio. Uh. It's just straight movie star. No, like, significant other. And, and Vince is a lot younger than Leo is. Um. But I just I, I think about that when I'm watching any Leo movie too. Like I think Leo gets usually like twenty five million for one movie. Crazy. And he took a little bit of a pay cut for the Mar- the Wall Street one, and especially Jonah Hill did. I don't know if you know this, but Jonah he Hill took a cut for Wall Street. Yeah, because they need a lot of high profile people and, and people who do Wes Anderson films. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. People who do Wes Anderson films, the the cast is stacked, but you don't that get was paid. Wes Anderson. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm saying people who do Wes Anderson films yep. get jack. Yeah, right. Like the guy who, um, Edward Norton, the guy who's in like Fight Club, or um, if you ever watch Italian Job, he's the bad guy, or you know what I'm talking about, Edward Norton, he was in The New Knives Out, the bad guy. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Edward Norton. And okay. so he doesn't get paid shit, basically, right. for those movies. You know, the writer's union just, uh, strike just ended, the actor's strike just ended. And so, like, they're all part of this union, and there's like a certain, like, fee you have to get at least paid like the there's like a bare minimum and especially if you talk if you say one word your your bare minimum goes way higher like yep. compared to just not saying a single word right so i think john hill got paid like 60k what for that movie he just Are wanted to joking? be there no like, that's what he said he was like the second leading character he felt like the main character he felt like one of the main characters yeah he was definitely i think he was probably like the third biggest character because i would say Leo, Margaret Robbie, right. Margot Margot Robbie, Robbie's got to be thrown up there for sure. Yeah, but yeah, you just take like a wow, a pay cut with this. Anyways, you know, and let's get in a little bit of the movie. So Martin Scorsese does; he's notorious for doing insanely long shoots. So I think like a typical shoot might be like sixty days or something. He's known to like stretch it to like ninety days. Okay. He loves taking. I mean, he's he's eighty something. I think now. It's what he enjoys. I like it's it. Gotta it's slow be. pace. There's so much like, if you you miss it, I think the longer pace you stay more to character. You, I mean, first longer of all, pace. Sh- yeah, you stay more to character. You get more quality, and yeah, I mean that's surely that's his. What's become his brand, just in general for yeah. the movies that he makes. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing like, you go through like a shot list every day. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing today? And right. if you don't get through it, shit, you're working like 16 hour days or you got to push it off and extend Right. and having that relaxation of just getting it right. You know what I mean? But I'm, he's shooting a longer movie, so it's going to take a longer time. Right, right. And they shot this, I believe mostly in Oklahoma where the story takes place. I, I'm not sure. Probably not on the reservation. They shot that, but you know, just give me now we'll go into scores later out of the top. I haven't thought of my out of 10 score yet, but I, let me just let me see my thing about it. You thought it didn't feel slow. I'm kind of on the opposite end where it did feel a tiny bit slow. 
obviously time moved really fast in it. We would be there for a little while, then now they have kids, and then time, and like it keeps shifting. I thought that was very interesting. I thought it was years very cool. passed by. Yeah, years passed by. It was just, it wasn't. It was a little too long. I will say that. But you know, Leo killed it. Whoever that main girl is, I've never seen her before or anything, and I think a lot of people know that, and I think that's maybe what he was going for. But also keeping someone who is uh, native and all that, and just you know keeping the roots on that. It was mm-hmm. it was good. Did you think she uh, had a good performance? I think she did a good job of, yeah, like the the character she was trying to portray. She seemed uh, to be very invested in the the overall like feel of the movie. She had a level head. She had a level head throughout throughout a lot of difficult situations and yeah it it was i don't know it seemed it seemed like something that she had to draw she had to draw a lot of strength out to play that role cuz that character went through like crazy circumstances and especially being based on a true story and, and it being like based that. on a true story yeah, yeah yeah i know that's that's something i always like you know you you see it at the beginning of the movie or you see it at the end of the movie. Do you not like take it? Do you like, do you view anytime it says based on a true story? Do you not, when I see that, I should, I base that shit like, okay, this is all facts. I've, I, I know that there's, you know, some bending to the truth and I know like historical, historical fiction is kind of part of that. Like, you know, certain names and whatever might not have truly happened or like certain things might not have happened, but like just to know that these general circumstances went down the way they did and and uh it being you know because you read about how native americans were screwed over but it's a whole nother thing to also add like a visual component um in more of like a lifelike sense than just a picture on like a textbook where you know you've that's that's kind of what you're expected to know but you can't really know it as well if you don't feel it as much as you do when you are watching them go through it or at least in this in the way that they portrayed it yeah um yeah that was a wild movie there was a lot of explosions they had did you feel like it was going to be based in a lot of different places were you like upset or kind of let down for like the setting of the movie just kind of taking place in the same area not really changing a whole lot or anything like that really no i no i i think it made sense, um, it being based in very certain locations, because they, you know, they didn't. They had to take a long time to get places back then. <laughs> Am I too quiet? Just get a little closer. Word, word, word. Um, yeah, they. You know, I feel like that was pretty realistic to the time, because they had small knit communities and they stayed in one location, and your reputation meant something because everyone in the town either knew you or knew of you or maybe didn't know you, but somebody, uh, somebody lived next to you that you had to, you know, you had to be a community, like something. Yeah. There wasn't like, it's not, there's no TV but, or anything like that. Right. But word of mouth is still so big then where it actually like, yeah, that was the social media. That there was, was rumors Instagram about page. them, like, like about that the characters, mattered. like what they're doing. And obviously all the murders that took place mm-hmm. for me, it was just, I didn't think any like big Martin Scorsese films or anything like that is drama nowadays that we see. I think they kind of 
divert from the happy endings that we typically get and they i think we're in some ways kind of sick of seeing that and i think he showed a good job of saying that actions had the consequences he didn't like let up on it like oh my gosh when he kept poisoning the wife leo did right, and i'm right. just like why do you keep doing this like you know it's something like do you if you love her you're seriously just killing her and i'm just i thought there was going to be more pushback from leo and it become more the wife and leo versus uh robert de niro yep and that's kind of what i wanted yep and from the trailers and what i got i was like okay so i know robert de niro is going to be kind of like the conflicting character and causing a lot of problems, but I kind of wanted them to be pinned up, pinned up against each other. And it wasn't the whole time. It just, his influence stayed strong and continued to let him do that shit. And just everybody wants there to be a hero in the movie or a hero in the story. And, you know, in these ugly situations that they're portraying, sometimes there just isn't the hero. Like sometimes there really is just, these people who are taking advantage of other people and yeah, Leo did such a good job of, yeah, just being the guy who, you know, most, most anyone isn't standing up to the mayor of the town who has all the money and is giving out jobs and making life easy for folks. Most people are going to take a job for that person and you know be, be especially related be more especially when they're related to him yeah like yeah that was an interesting uh way to keep it more honest maybe do you do you enjoy when we're dropped into a movie and we low-key are caught in the middle of it and we we slowly have to figure things out or you know it might go back in time and then we figure out stuff slowly throughout. Do you enjoy the certain confusion that we get right in the beginning? I, I think of Christopher Nolan when you're saying things like getting dropped into things or having uh, to be smart and figure shit out, having to figure things out. And he does a very exaggerated form of it, but I, I enjoy it, that aspect of it when it's that difficult. Sometimes it's harder to be able to, like stay with the movie for the whole length of it, especially because stay ask, stays asking me questions. Well, yeah. and yeah, it's like people are asking questions while you're trying to watch it. And it's also like I'm watching the same thing, bro. We're watching the same thing. Like, but, and it's also, I think he does pretty long movies as well. Yep. Um, interstellar and yep. Even um, like the Batman series were Batman was pretty well. long. I never, I think tenant was long. I didn't watch Tenet that was movie. Long. Yeah. It was um, long. Cause I didn't understand it for a good amount of it. <laughs> yeah. That okay, backwards boy, stuff. Still confused. That backwards well, stuff. I never looked up any analyses on that. I just yeah took my confusion for what it was and just rolled with it. it. I don't know. It was so. Typically after a movie, like I'll read like the whole Wikipedia page. Right. Like I'll read the whole, like, even though I watch it and I typically do understand it, I just want to like re-understand it so like wikipedia does a good job and we were mentioning this like websites we donate to mm-hmm. wikipedia is free right right and every once every year they'll like do like a donation thing like hey you don't have to donate but if you could anything helps right and those are the kind of things for how much i go on that page and how much i think it's useful like eventually i want to make some dough where i can feel comfortable like you know donating that and showing my respects to that but i read like the whole plot and then i love getting into you know how this shit, how the production goes. Cause there's so many stories. Like these movies are jumping around. Like some movies might start in 2005 and not get 
they might be collecting dust until like 2020. Right. Because people like studios buy scripts just to have so other people can't make them too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's interesting, and Wikipedia does a good job breaking it down. I what move I did I did that after Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fully understand, especially the Robert Downey Jr. scenes when it switched to black and white. I really wanted to understand what was going on in that. And I, I was I was understanding he was getting he was being a bad guy, hurting other people, especially Oppenheimer, and then it all switched on him. Yep. And that was great. But I read that again and I'm just trying to like learn it, you know what I mean? And it's just I have not done that for this movie. I think I understood it. Yep. And I think Scorsese not showing a hero or switching it to Leo being a good guy. Right. I think takes away from the point of why Scorsese wanted to make this film. Cause he comes on at the end when it's back to maybe like present day or something like that. No. Cause it cut in the middle. It didn't cut in the middle, but it cut. This is at the end though. In between the story. The story was still being played out after that scene. Really? Yeah. That was not back? the end. That was yeah. not the end. So he he comes on, and they still have people reenacting the scene. They have their lines and everything, and they're like doing, you know, stadium or uh, stage noises to reenact things that are happening in real life. But they he explains that story of like of the, there's still no investigation. Who got away with it? Who got away know, with the murders? Like, who got away got with? To, they both went to prison for a little while. Leo's yeah. character ended up getting out of prison, living in his a brother park didn't for the rest put in time. any time. Yeah, his brother who was his also brother evil got in the away, film. and De Niro ended up escape, uh, not escaping jail, getting out of jail eventually, and not dying in there. And there was like no investigation. So I think the reason why he kept that so real is it was a passion project. And he felt some sort yeah. of need to like really describe it and show the true violence of it and not sugarcoat it. And so I th- it works, but I'm just saying I did want maybe like there to be a little switch up there and Leo be the good guy or at least stop giving the medication or just yeah that intense scene, you know, when they're in the courtroom yeah while he's uh, testifying and then came back and it's just a one, one-on-one scene with them. Yeah, it was intense. It, it was intense for... The fact that he had no one but himself to blame. Yeah. It was it was all on him and he had he had every he had every fiber in his being too. You could you could tell when he was taking orders from his uncle that he didn't want to do the things that he was doing, but he was still doing those terrible things. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh so you saw his moral dilemma with it and then it's that much worse when he has to own up to all the things that he was doing because in the first place, he never wanted to do these things. He wanted to make some money with his uncle and, Mm -hmm. you know, find a place to stay after the war. And yeah. So that FBI investigator that was in the film, you've seen him before. Uh, He was in Breaking Bad. He was in Friday Night Lights. I forget the actor off the top of my head. He's married to, um, so who's, who's Peter Parker? And then is it Mary Jane? Mary Jane. Yep. So Mary Jane from the old, old movie, Spider-Man. That's who that guy is married to in real life. The FBI agent. Are you talking, uh, like Tobey Maguire? Okay. Spider-Man. I, okay. Yep. 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 And so the guy, the FBI agent, the redhead, um, he turned down the role. Did you ever see Nope? Yep. 
So oh, wait, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. There's this the Asian guy from Walking Dead. I forget his name. Yep. yep. He plays like this circus guy that's like running this farm. That okay. This is not spoilers or anything. I'm just telling you who the character is. Um, Shout out to Glenn. <laughs> and so he's, is that his name? No, that's his name in Walking Dead. Okay. Okay. Does he die in Walking Dead? He gets his face bashed in with a nail bat. So by a person though? Yeah. Was he a zombie at the time? No. Why? Do, oh man. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> and I have no plan. I almost gotcha. <laughs> I have no plan. I saw the curiosity that. in your eyes. Though. Cause I remember, cause I remember was the guy from everybody hates Chris in that show too. Oh, it, the, uh, the main he, guy. No, think? no. He, he, the black guy, Abbott elementary. He played. Everyone hates Chris. You never saw that. Like, no, I don't think I, I believe did. he dies too or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a, a lot, lot of, of people. Death. They die. They, they pull out a main character and they kill him off every once in a while. And it's like the main, it's the big thing for the show. <laughs> Anyways, the FBI agent was supposed to play the role of Nope of the Asian guy in the film, gotcha. but he turned it down because it was conflicting schedules with Killers of the Flower Moon, oh. which is very insane to think because Nope came out, I think, last summer. And it, so, it surely came out more than last summer. No, I remember. I remember. I, was it last summer? I went on a date to go see that movie. Oh, we're so I, I remember that it was Shout like out to that day. last summer. <laughs> um, and so it was just, int- I love the character and I thought he was going to have a, a bigger role, but you know, the movie, I don't know. I'm, I'm st- it was a good movie, right? Yeah. I, I thought so. It was a good movie, but it wasn't the best Leo De Niro combo or the best uh, Leo and Martin Scorsese combo. You know what I mean? And they've yep. done. I mean, Gosh, you have to films? put that up against The Departed, which is The Departed, Wolf of Wall Street, if you want to do the uh, Leo, Leo uh, and Scorsese comparison. And there's like a couple yeah. other movies, shit yeah. like that. They got some history. Definitely. It, and it's so cool because like, do you think it's whack that a director no. and an actor link up like that I so many that. times? I love that. They stick up for the each other. I mean, they might be big names unto themselves, but like seeing that friendship is cool especially in like an industry that you don't associate people being friends yeah you know everybody everything seems fake because everybody's actors and everybody's putting a face up you know yeah especially when all three of them are at a certain level it really don't matter right i swear i think he does like leo does like maybe one film every two years just banks in the 25 mil and just boom that's all he needs and then he can go hang out with some Three twenty-five-year-old supermodels. <laughs> no, twenty-five is his cutoff. Oh right, right, right. Twenty-two-year-old supermodels <laughs> on his yacht. On his super yacht, probably. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. That's sweet. <laughs> Shout out to Leo. Oh my gosh, it, and I just view him as like the goat. Um, Man. He's a very talented actor, and I think he's probably one of the best of all time. I, I'd have to think about that answer more. Is he your goat? Mm. Like, he's a guy who will drop a movie and I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. 100%. And that's why he's so big. Yeah. What other actors carry that? For me, like, yeah, a lot of De Niro movies I'm going to watch. And mm-hmm. most likely, a Scorsese film I'm going to watch. And I, I've not mm-hmm. watched a lot of them. Like, there's this old movie with Leo in it, too. It's called Gangs of New York oh, with okay. Daniel Day-Lewis. If you know who he is, he played, like, Lincoln, blah, blah, blah. He's a retired actor now. Was Leo, like, a young kid in that one? 
He was younger, but he wasn't a kid at that in that movie. Oh, okay. okay. He was younger. He I'm played like different. He thing. probably played like a kid in the sh- in the thing or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know if you know this. Dale, Daniel Day Lewis is a method actor. Okay. And so, do you know what a method actor is? Yeah, they they go through the motions. They do the things that they They're, would imagine. You don't the call him by do. Daniel Day Lewis, right? You call him by his or his character's name. <laughs> so Leo told this story one time in an interview where it was like, "I come to the set of this this movie, Gangs of New York," right? And he's just like, "Yo, what's up, Daniel?" And uh, Daniel goes like this to him. <laughs> And Leo's like, okay, it's on. All right, I can't talk to him like with his outside name. Right. So Daniel Day Lewis is like one, I think like three, the most Ox- Oscars of all time for like oh, wow. best actor. Okay. Which, why the hell do we split up actor and actresses for an Oscars? This isn't like sports. Right. Right. Why do we do that? Everybody's on the Just same more awards? screen. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe. No yeah. Maybe more uh, award shows that they can. There's like nothing, there's nothing different about it. Anyways, like method actor, like in succession, the guy Kendall, you know, it's the main Kendall Roy is like one of the main characters, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's a method actor Mm. and everyone on set said how much they fucking hated (laughs) when he was like in character. Cause you'd have to refer to him like that. He'd do all these weird things and he gets like really in depth, the character. He, he grew up like doing plays and all that stuff. Like he started off on off Broadway, which is plays that are not on Broadway in New York. And he's just a method actor. And it's just, I don't know. Sounds he's like a hell. theater kid at heart. And uh, if you're a method actor, are you a better actor? Or are you a worse actor? That's a good question. I don't know. Because you're a good actor and you get really good at character and then you do a really good performance. But are you a good actor because you need to do that to do the good performance? So also you could, look at being a good actor as being somebody who either gets the scene that the director wants in less takes or you could get it as them being more able to cultivate an image on the spot you know so it's it's tough because it's like who's a better artist the person who comes up with the best verse or the person who can come up with it the best on the spot it's almost like that as in like who can write a, a good lyrical song, but then this other guy can freestyle like crazy. Right. So it's like, they're who's both, a better rapper. Th- yeah. Who's better because it's like somebody crafted it over maybe a longer time, but yeah. maybe it was a better, maybe it was better quality, but then you have to look, it's maybe it's a different thing. Maybe it's a completely different thing because that's a good comparison, bro. Yeah. I of like know. the artist linking with that. Yeah. There's, and what do you view as like the biggest talent? To me, a lot of people view like freestyling as like an insane talent of anything other but than then, writing raps. If you know that certain freestylers, they have certain bars that they can fall back on, then right. does it feel as impressive? Because you're you're giving this person credit for being able to think on the spot and be yeah. able to come up with lyrics that make sense. <laughs> and and they're usually most freestyles. I, I would like to assume are typically sentence to sentence and not an ongoing story. And there's some that are like that, obviously. Right. But you, you know me, I hate listening to freestyles, like on the radio, like when yo. people go on radio shows and they just like, yo, Hey yo, man, it's you? FM in the radio in the morning. And guess what? You know what? Uh, why don't you do a freestyle for me? And they're just bah, the bah, 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 bah. like the juice. Yeah. Like the juice world one, one hour thing to me means nothing to me. I know he's 
I know all of his songs are freestyled. I know he does multiple takes, you know what I mean? Yep. But I know he's coming it off on the dome. And that's very impressive to me because he did 5,000 of those or whatever. Right, right. But then, to me, which is more impressive, is someone who drops an al- album and then five years later drops another album. And people and are still listening to the previous album. Yes. Even though they just released a new album. Who do you think I'm thinking of? Lyricist takes a long time to drop. That's a lot of people. I'm thinking Kendrick. Kendrick? And just like, wow. He I doesn't would have never expected that. Cause I just didn't know how big of a Kendrick fan you were. I'm, I think, uh, maybe not a Kendrick, like I'm fanatic. a fan, I'm a fan, but you're, you're a fan of his work, but, Oh yeah. But I didn't know how much like into his music you were. I guess. Yeah. I mean, people are, I mean, his last album was okay. And there's other people like it a little bit more. And there's a lot of meaning in it. Like there's this one song. If you, I don't know if you've listened to it where it's, it's called auntie diaries. Oh, and no. so basically he's describing his aunt transitioning into a man. And then eventually another one of his family members transitioning into a man or something like that. Oh, wow. And he's just telling the story about growing up and like having to deal with that from his like friends and then all his family and stuff. And it's a story. And like, beat. Is it a true story? Oh yeah, it's true. Oh wow. There's no cap in my rap. There's no cap in his rap. And it's just it's great. And then when I listen to man, I don't know if it's a real freestyle, but the Drake and Central C one. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Combination. Combination. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Drake. know if that's like a real freestyle. It wouldn't surprise me if it is. Drake. But I think they maybe rehearsed you it are? one time. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think yeah. it's like I don't think they sat down and wrote it. No. You know, no, I, yeah, I can't see that. It's just because it, it was on the radio at first, wasn't it? Well, it, yeah, well, it's, the show is called on the radio, on the radar, on the radar. Yeah. And it was on the show. I think, I think yeah. that's how it went, bro. This leads to let, now let's connect it with acting. Yeah. Improvising. Yep. So back in the day, like casino, good fellows yep. relating to the Scorsese and De Niro side of it. Right. So back in the day, like for Goodfellas or Casino or something like that, do you know the guy Joe Pesci? It's yep. the small guy, yep. whatever, like yep. in a lot of those films, and especially in Ir- Irishman too. Uh-huh. They improvise a lot. Their experience, they know the characters, they know what they want to say. There's a lot of F words that get improvised. And so what Scorsese does is he, he they know how the scene's going to start, they know where it needs to get to, and they know how it's going to end. But everything else in there, they typically legit like – improvise just off the dome and we're watching that and yeah. sometimes in my head and sometimes is this improvised i don't really think about that that often but in my head i'm also thinking do i like this yeah do i would i rather appreciate like good writing right but sometimes you don't even notice in those films and i enjoy those films so you're just like what what do i prefer also it's hard to know whether you appreciate the person's first instinct when they've been doing so much research into it that it almost becomes right. second nature unto itself. And, and that's maybe, good acting, maybe. And maybe that's better acting than anything that you could write down because that's just the honest, whatever's the yeah. first response, first thought, you know? And they, they just swear, swear so much during that, too, especially in the gangster films. But. I mean, how much were those, uh, what were they called? Uh, good fellas, but like... Uh, Mob yeah. films? Yeah, like those mob guys. What are they? Yeah, they're just 
Mafia? What are you talking about? Uh, nice oh, guys. Nice, nice guys. guys. Yep, yep, how, yep, yep. how often do you think they were cursing? They were cursing in every sentence. Oh, trust. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially in The Sopranos, which I'm getting through right now, too. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question about, like, improvising. Are you a better actor there? Method acting, are you a better actor there? Are you a worse actor? You know, right. and, you know workaholics is mostly improvised. Right. Like, they do a right. lot of improvising in there. They don't do that for Always Sunny. They well, and improv seems to be a good basis for most Comedy. creative outlets just because it lets you flow. It doesn't keep you stuck in, like, areas where you feel, you know, that maybe there's not as good of a, a, a direction or a path yeah. or something. But Do you remember when we had to improvise at Trout Lake Camp? I remember at Trout Lake we had those concerts. I remember we had to do a little bit of homework during the summer, which was like, well, yeah, it was like some Bible work or something yeah, like yeah, that. Bible work. Um, but I'm trying to <laughs> well, remember. Bro, you were paintballing too. So and relaxed. I was paintballing as well. <laughs> I was dead terrified. I was sending out prayers to the Lord behind the bunker. And then I would send paintballs at people's heads, probably at like little 40 meters per second yeah. shots. And but I'm, we were improvising there, and I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable, and I can't, I definitely can't act, and obviously I do some fake acting when I'm alone or some shit like that, but like in front of people, oh my god, when we had to do that, not in front of like the whole oh, camp, but it are was you talking like, about the uh, game where we had to yeah, do that night where stage. we're pretending to be, uh, oh, on the stage, we were on a stage with our group or whatever, and you know yeah. the, the number one rule for improvising is you can't say no, right? You have to just flow. <laughs> it reminds me of the. I don't know if you've seen every episode of The Office, but like where Michael would always go to this improvised group because acting was his passion or whatever. He'd go to this improvising group and then he would end it with always him having like a gun and wanting to be a police officer and like putting everyone on the ground and like making them spread their shit. And so in this episode, they bring in um, Chow from Hangover, Leslie Chow, yeah. or I forget what this is for. Uh, Ken something like that Dr. Ken Dr. Uh, yeah something Something like that I forget his name He's obviously hilarious And The Hangover has probably the best two comedic characters ever With Zach Galifianakis and Leslie Chow and, But anyways he it, Leslie Chow is in this In this improv thing And so the improv teacher gets so Angry at Michael for always Like interrupting a scene and just like He does a fake banging in the door And he's like everyone get down everyone get down And so the teacher goes alright Michael, you cannot just bring come into a scene and just like bring in a gun or anything like that. <laughs> and so the next scene when he's up, he goes and whispers to the actor, and the actor eventually just puts their hands up. <laughs> and the <laughs> acting teacher goes like, "What's going on here?" And it's like Michael whispered in my ear and said, "I have a gun. Don't move." <laughs> <laughs> Improvising is great, but it makes me mad and comfortable. And I think I get uncomfortable with freestyles too, like listening yeah. to them. And I, yeah. I would get very uncomfortable acting. And that's why I don't think I could ever do it either. Like, especially, yeah. boom, you got 10 people behind that camera just watching you. Yeah, there is a level of vulnerability that you're under when you have to come up with something on the spot and, and yeah, like, be able to produce something. But it's kind of, I would imagine that that's the freedom that they're looking for. Like something that just allows them to, to be their character and just yeah. rock with what they're thinking. Yeah. And there's yeah. some actors who like just the straight writing of the lines mm -hmm. and want to do it precisely. Like there's a set of direct, there's two twin brothers, the Coen brothers who are from St. Louis park. 
Oh, word. And did, a, like, are really big, and they did a lot of big movies. Yeah. It's so, like, I think they did, like, The Big Lebowski and all this, uh, all these I other. I still have yet to watch That's that on movie. Netflix right now. Oh, my gosh. What am I That's doing? on Netflix right now. We can watch a movie if we want. Oh. Um, Another review coming at you. Review coming I've part. seen it. I've seen it. It's funny. Coming but, soon. like, everything is planned out, and they get pissed when someone doesn't do it. And, obviously, these people sign in knowing what they're getting into because they know what they want out of the movies and some people like it because it just turns into this some people some directors just have this full vision and there's a lot of directors that write their own stuff too and Scorsese is kind of typical for that too and Tarantino writes everything of his own and Coen Brothers I believe write a lot of their own stuff too and uh No Country for Old Men they did that too you saw that one I don't think I have bro it's about like this this like psychopathic serial killer basically it is unreal. And Rivaled so, against uh, American Psycho. What do you think? American Psycho? Yeah. Oh. Uh, With uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. You just saw that or what? No, no. I'm just saying that's like the first movie I think of when I think of a psychopath movie. Yeah. I've seen that twice. I think there's some moments in it, but honestly, I don't think it's like the best movie. And I still don't understand the ending. Trying to think of what the ending where, was. Where, like, apparently, oh, the end, he, like, kills some people. And I think he lost his real. insanity. I think he lost his grip on what reality was. Because That's basically it. I don't think the helicopter was real. No, the helicopter was, like, none of that was real. And, like, apparently whoever he killed yeah. and everything. Like, I don't, maybe just one of those killings was real. Like That might have been his one. fantasy the whole time. Yeah. But he never acted on it. Yeah. Like, because I think a big thing about what makes a psychopath a psychopath is that they... They know what society wants from them, so they're able to conceal, but there's also certain tells that they give off. Yeah. And that maybe, like, you know, certain things that aren't as accepted, uh, they fantasize. Maybe maybe that's where it has to stay is in their head or where they have to try and, like, keep it as hard as they can. Yeah. I know some facts about that movie, too. I can spit them right now. Spit them. So, like, that was another movie that the writer really wanted Christian Bale, like, this whole time. And this is, like, really early in his career. Yeah, they could he couldn't finish it. I think I remember listening to yeah. that. They were doing that on their own time, weren't they? For, like, a long time. Like, it was pushed out. And yeah. Christopher Nolan was working so hard to get this movie pushed. Not Christopher Nolan. Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yeah. I mean, Christian Bale is a child actor, too. Right, right, right. He started with this. his first movie was like the Steven Spielberg movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. The the Rise of the Sun Kingdom. I don't know. Some, something with like Japan and like Steven Spielberg, and he's playing like this little kid. It's about pilots and all that stuff. Yeah. And so he starts his acting career with like the – I think I heard this on GQ because some people go on GQ and they do these things where they break down their career and roles, and it, especially with actors you would enjoy. And Martin Scorsese has done this himself too. It's so entertaining just – hear the little tidbits and everything it's amazing variety used to do it and then gq stole the segment as well (laughs) and it's just like in the christian bale thing for his first movie it's a steven spielberg film and so what they always told him was like this is the most insane set you'll ever see this is the biggest set especially because steven did so many things like all real like thousands of extras in some points and like wow which is awesome bro that is amazing it's i love i I'm all about the real, you know what I mean? I'm so sick of the fake stuff because, like, all these old movies that we watch, Scarface or even the, the – I think the biggest extras ever was that Gandhi movie. And there's, like, 
5,000 like people or some shit like that. Wild. And it's just awesome. And you just got to wonder what they're paying these. And people. there's just real sets in it. And just like, I just loved, even though like movies back then, like felt so much slower and there was a lot of points, like you're watching this car drive for too long. And then you're watching them get out of the car and there's like not a lot of sound, but you're like living it. And I think you get more in depth with it. And especially so anyways, uh, let me finish my Christopher Christian Bale. My <laughs> God, Christian Bale thing. Like that was the biggest set ever kid. Yep. Don't get used to this. Cause this is like an insane set. And so like his yep. first go is the biggest set he's ever seen in his life. Yep. Anyways, let's go back to, you know, there's some connection with the De Niro and Scorsese thing, but another like, out of those three guys, like with uh, Pesci, De Niro, and then there's um, Al Pacino. Yep. I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie. Uh, fuck, what is it called? Scarface. No, it's it's this <laughs> other one uh, where he's an undercover cop, and he eventually gets forgotten or something like that. Al Pacino. Yeah, it's a really it's a '70s film, and and then there's also another one. What it's called like Dog Days Afternoon or something, where he's like a bank robber. Huh, yeah. Shit is so long and you just see them drive and then with the undercover one, he's just in random conversations that don't mean anything. But it's just these movies that show random stuff without a lot of audio. But it gets you like kind of set in the movie. It feels a little bit more real. It puts you in the world. More. And he improvises a lot. Like yeah. Al Pacino improvises a lot. Like he's just known to do that and he just does what he wants, obviously. Because um, he's Cubano. Well, dude, he's having he like does a kid at like wants. 70. And De Niro's having a kid at like 70. It's just wild. Yeah. Um, De Niro's getting like sued right now or something like that. So he's been in court lately. Really? It's like one of his that? old assistants or some bullshit. And he's just, apparently he was like yelling at her in the court on the stand. He's like, what are you doing? Like, stop this. Oh, wow. And it was, Rob De Niro's like crazy rich. Have you ever heard of the... Obviously, but other than acting, have you ever heard of the restaurants called Nobu? Yep. It's a really nice restaurant. Anyways, Robert De Niro basically Isn't started it seafood? that. It's sushi? like known for sushi and shit like that, like really yeah. high class. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of seafood on the menu. Yeah. Robert De Niro was like the key figure in getting it transitioned into like New York and LA. Oh, and wow. now there's Nobu hotels. So Robert De Niro has made like over a hundred million just off the Nobu shit too. Not to mention all the all the acting and all that stuff like in. that, and I think he's lost some money because he's had like two divorces or something like that. But yeah, like, right. and it's just it's just crazy. Just and those are the things I dive into on Wikipedia. Like I read all about the his Nobu shit like that. Yeah, actors are wild, and especially <laughs> what I saw in Entourage, and I know it's like all like a hyperbole and shit like that. Right. But it's just so sick. Yeah. And I yeah. could never get over I could never be an actor. I could never like get over like that hump yep. of performing in front of people. That yeah. I and it's I can't a big barrier. I can't listen to like other people sing. Like yeah. some people might have been like singing in high school or something like that. I can't listen to that, that stuff. That was me. <laughs> what? That was me. No, you're in choir. That's a different thing. Like people are just like singing, singing like yeah, might yeah. be in class and they just like riff a solo real quick. Oh yeah, right. For a project to me, or something. I'm just, what? For like a project or something. Or project. Whatever. And they're just like, the theater kids love singing too. Oh, theater kids love singing. And I just like cringing in my head. It just hurts sometimes. And yeah. that's something maybe personality with me that I need to get over as well. No, I mean, I think that's a very natural thing. I think most people 
don't want to talk in public. They don't want to sing in public. I definitely get nervous. Yeah. They, I love it though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's those things that you can get used to, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, at first it just doesn't feel natural because you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, like the one of the first choir concerts I had, I felt like I was beat red the entire concert at first. You didn't have a solo though, did you? We didn't even have a solo and I felt like I was beat red. But granted, we had like nine dudes in our... Dudes. Yeah, dudes. More like muchachos. Um, same thing, but in Spanish. Um, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, but yeah, like there was nine of us and we would be, you know, there was like two, alt, you know, higher pitch guys. There's like three like low bass guys. Yeah. And then there's like maybe four of you? us in the middle. And then, you know, it's like we're just up there and it's like there's a crowd of whoever knows how many many people total were singing. There was maybe like 12 of us max. That's it. That was it. Okay, so I did with my whole grade, bro. Like we had like 100 plus. That's what I'm saying. 12. Oh, my God. I was losing my cool, bro. I was losing my cool. (laughs) I was losing my cool. I was way too hot. Yeah. I mean, the the the. They don't tell you how. I mean, they do tell you how warm the lights feel. No, you you just get warm. They are warm. No, and you I'm, just get warm. I'm like, also wearing a full body suit, so oh I'm wearing I'm wearing a tux. And the boy sweats, huh? And the boy sweats, my <laughs> guy. Okay, I perspirate. Okay, I'm not wearing that antiperspirant aluminum in my aluminum. armpits. Type. Uh, uh. Get that out of here. Get that garbage boy out of here. Hello. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's nerve wracking when you're up there for sure. And then, yeah, like the more you do it, it just somehow gets a little bit easier. The more you get comfortable with the people you're with. Did you ever get comfortable? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I could still belt it out right now if I had to. No, I believe it, brother. (laughs) Did I ever tell you like the story of, cause middle school we had to do choir band or orchestra. Did I ever tell you my story about like going into sixth grade and then seventh grade? About like, so, okay, I'll, I'll say it then due to your facial reaction, but <laughs> so sixth grade, I come into middle school. I'm not, I'm doing choir. I've never played an instrument ever. I'm doing choir. What? Um, what? Well, it wasn't required in elementary I didn't know you school. did choir. Yeah. So in middle school it was required and we also were required to do a language. So I did Spanish then and then moved on to Latin in high school anyways. Um, and so I did choir and this is sixth grade. So my balls definitely didn't drop yet. <laughs> And so my voice is so high. I end up, and so to determine where we're going to be, like, soprano, what is it, tenor, bass, or whatever like that? Yeah, you've got uh, baritone, yeah, you baritone. got bass, and you got, uh, what is it, it's tenor. Yeah. Yeah. Tenor, bass, baritone. And so I, to, I, to like, for us to determine where we're going to be, she'll call you up. Yep. To the piano in front of the class. The whole in class. In front of the class. It's a stacked class. And you'll probably get like two other people like that's next unreal. to you. That's unreal. See, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's embarrassing. Like, it's very embarrassing. Dude. Well, but choir's also bigger into that like do stuff in front of the class type thing. Like I remember our final project was like an acapella like song. Really? So we, me and three other dudes sang like a One Direction song. What? In front of our group. Or our class. And then also, like, for your birthday, you had to come up and sit in the hot chair is what it was called. And they would just grill you. Like, anybody could ask any question. Oh, they're not singing to you. 
no, no. I mean, they sing to you, and you're like, you have to come up, and it's like this whole parade thing. It's like, okay, I'm gonna try and fake like I enjoy this. <laughs> and then you're sitting in that hot chair, and they're just asking you like, oh, what's your like go-to like dating move or something? And you're like, oh, uh, the teacher's just uh, like, the teacher's uh, just like, let it fly, guys. <laughs> yes, bro. Clown this kid, dude. Oh my god, it's unreal. And. Like they do this, they do this because they want you to feel comfortable with everybody. Like it's, they're trying, I mean, at least with my instructor, the, uh, Brian Fisher, shout out. He was really good. Um, but you know, everything you're trying to get comfortable with these people. So you're constantly doing things that feel like you're at somebody's house and you're doing this, you know, like this is some sort of, uh, you know, moment where you guys have broken the ice and now you guys are really comfortable with each other and now you you know can do whatever so they're doing this to try you have some boys in the class they're trying to create some camaraderie a little bit yeah so yeah trying to clown you or what oh i'm sure like you know to other people probably but not like in the moment but um because it's just so embarrassing and you know you're gonna get your moment in the sun so you just you know yeah so what other questions did they ask? Like six or is this middle school or is this high school? This Maybe is like high freshman school. year high school or something? Yeah, you're surrounded. So what was your so, go-to dating move at the time? So this was, <laughs> <laughs> so this was, uh, what this would have been, um, probably what I would have been a freshman. You no, I would have been a sophomore. I would have been 16, a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. Because freshman year I was in the all boys group. Sophomore year we moved to the bigger conglomerate which was the more fun group to be a part of because they went on the trips. Yeah. They, you know, were doing the things. They had their, there were seniors involved. So, you know, you're like hanging out with older kids. You're like, yo, I know what's up. You know what's up. We're having a good time out here. No, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so the, the dating move, they, they were like, yeah, what's, what do you do on a first date? And I'm like this kid first who's, date. you know, I'm like, dude, I had a, like a girlfriend in air quotes in you know, seventh grade. And I'm, <laughs> I, I took a girl out, uh, who was one of my coworkers at the Y and it was like, you know, I paid for her sushi and it's like. You know, so it's like, I don't have a move. I'm making this up as I go. Yeah. But now I'm on the hot seat yeah. and it's my, supposedly my birthday. I'm celebrating right now. <laughs> but you guys are clowning me. This is my But day. really, you guys are clowning me right now and I have to come up with these stupid answers. So they're asking me what kind of a bug I am and they're asking me what my first date move is. I'm telling them the classic cheesy response. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll go to a movie and... <laughs> probably just the movies <laughs> and uh um uh, what what kind of a bug would i be i don't know i'd probably be just wait like a, what kind of bug you'd be yeah it's like what what i kind don't of, know <laughs> it's like what are we even talking about I'd right be now centipede. yeah i'd probably be, probably centipede. be a fucking uh, i don't know a spider i don't know um, a moth. so yeah they're just asking you these questions that you have no preparation for so it's it's definitely much it's in that vein and of we're like, in that awkward period it's too. that awkwardness it's that <laughs> yeah it's that improv it's that like being able to just put up a uh uh i just gotta make it through this nowhere. i just gotta make it yeah through i just this. gotta get through this um and everybody has to go through it so it's like 
unless you have a birthday in the summer, then you're blessed. But screw that. Yeah, yeah. I love having a birthday during the school year. That shit was awesome. Oh, and I, I still, I still love my birthday being in the spring. But yeah, I love, I love going to school on my birthday. Some people be like, some yeah. people actually were able to get it off, like just be able to like not, not go take to school. A test. Yeah. No, just like not go to school. Like oh, parents chill, just not go to school. Brilliant. I fucking love going to. I love. It's gonna sound narcissistic, but I just love my birthday because I just get so many nice texts and people make me feel good, and it's just like a nice reminder of like people who care, you know. You're supposed to be in school, and so it's like you're surrounded by your friends. You'd be doing that anyway. Hundred percent. If it was your birthday and it was school, you wouldn't want to be at home because you wouldn't be able to hang out with your friends. Well, and it makes the normal school day, day just anyway. a little bit better too. It makes the normal school day that much better. Yeah, it yeah it takes a dull day and it makes it better. Birthday's on a Sunday this year. I just looked last night. Do you like that? Did you enjoy that? I actually kind of wanted it to be when I was at work. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll which we'll still have a little celebration, which is really nice. But, like, I think I actually would have preferred if I was, like, in the office on my birthday. I don't know why. Yeah, because you're still hanging out with the homies. But, yeah, it's, like, it's the same idea. It's, like, it's making it that much better. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's. <laughs> what I never knew that story about the choir thing. It was just, like, yeah. the hot seat. I thought it was going to be, like, a hot seat of, like, a straight solo. No, no. I'm nah, so happy it was not the anything. solo. Oh, my God. Ask anything, actually. No, thankfully, he, he only made solos. He he let people volunteer for solos. It was never yeah. a mandatory. I did a speaking part. I felt like yeah. I did speaking parts, like, before a song. Yeah. Like, just by myself in front of, like, a big audience. Yikes. And my sister did it, too. I was just like, for some reason, I just felt like I can do this shit. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not... I'm not terrible at public speaking. I, I recently gave like a speech at like Friendship Village where I used to work like for the scholarship, just saying thank you for all that shit. Yeah. My heart's always racing like right before I oh, do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that'll ever go away. Yeah, probably not. Unless I'm not, you do a, it I'm not against living. that going away. I, some people might be like, no, that's good. You still want to feel it like the QB Josh Allen throws up before every game. Oh, does he really? Yes. Wow. So then you look at Tyrell and you're like, is that just like a part that you have to get used to in the NBA? Like, do people just really what get nervous? Yeah. Get that nervous. I feel like with 82 games, no, I don't think they get as nervous, but yes, I believe. Yeah. Maybe not. Cause they have a shorter like Josh Allen, the QB of the bills. Like it's a once a week thing. Right. And it's it's a once a week thing. And yeah, he had a lot on his shoulders. Well, you're the biggest, you're the, you're the biggest prospect. You're the biggest player to the team. Like, you're the most important player most to Im- the team because you're the QB. It's on you. It's on you. And also, he's he's also not, you know, he's not, uh, what's his face? Um, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. No, he's not like. Um, a vet? He's not like a rookie. He's not like a yeah. trash He's been here for a while, but he's, he's still a big throwing deal. up. Yeah. He's still throwing up. He's still getting nervous. Yeah. Which is sick. I mean, that's, I mean, sick way to well, throw up, bro. It's, it's cool to like see that it he still, still cares. Yeah. He still cares and it still affects people on that level. Even when you're playing at that level. Yeah. 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 It's, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine my public speaking. I don't have a fear of it. I really don't. I don't, I'm a talking person. I have that, a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, obviously should, I like talking. Yeah. I mean, if that's, yeah, exactly. That's like, I think it would be sick. That's a strong suit for you. Yeah. yeah. I think it, like, obviously my year one goal, like with this thing is to like work on my craft. And in a couple years, I think it would be fucking sick if we were able to, if I would just like host an event, yeah, yeah. like a bench points event. We're at like a brewery or something. Yeah. And I 
in my mind, I want it to be like a, let's say it's a watch party for like a Timberwolves game. So it's kind of sports related, Yeah. but there's still like a little bit of a stage. I get up there, I'm doing like a giveaway every hour to keep non-sports uh, people like engaged and enjoy. And we're just getting drinks. And maybe I provide like the, I give like two free drink tickets out at the event as well. Like I've literally thought of this shit. Like that'd be so sick to just like host like a bench points event. And I honestly, hundred percent obviously will lose money on it. But I'm willing to like. It's a communal thing. Spend it just because it would be such a spectacular day. It's a thing for yeah. The obviously I already spend money on this fucking podcast and don't right. make any money. Like I, I'm down money on this podcast and I've always been down on any podcast I ever made. It's just because I love it. It's a passion project. Yeah. It's just I like it. And that was kind of like a goal of mine one day, like just to like hosting an event or something like like that. Yeah, yeah. And the anxiety would be up high. Yeah, yeah. And nervous about what people think. But, yeah. You know, I feel like. It's also people drinking too, and that makes everything easier. Well, it makes everything easier, and you have like-minded people who are there for similar reasons. Yeah. So it's not like people are just, you know, you're bringing people together who don't have anything in common. It's like you're bringing people together who are there for similar reasons, right. whether that's sports or whether that's for the bench points culture or right. whatever. And that might be so, but it it still won't distract from your mind of people like, are they having a good time right now? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or is this party still going? Like, am I keeping the vibes right? Like, shit like that. And it's a lot easier being at a, a brewery or something like that. But I think that would be sick, huh? That would be sweet. That would be sweet. All right, brother. Give me the out of 10 score off the top of the domer oh, man. on this movie. Off the domer. Um, I'm going to say, what are we talking, out of 10? Yes, sir. I'm saying. And you can do points. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking points is the best. You know, I think Dave Portnoy had it right. Like. You know, you want more things to be more unique, so you want to give very specific scores, and I like that. Yes. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a... Whoa, you're about to say an eight. I am about to say an eight. Yeah, I don't want to go higher than an eight, I don't think. God damn, eight. I'm trying high, to think bro. if 8.1 or 8.2 is more right, but I think eight is probably more right. Okay. Just for the first... First reaction, you know, it's been a week, so it's also, you know, it's fresh, but it's also, you know, there's certain things that are not as clear in my head. But but you also came out of the movie. Like, we had obviously had a discussion after the movie. How can we not? It's so hard to, like, oh, save stuff for the How can you not like talk that? about the movie after you And we were just talking about, like, just, just the Native American aspects of it, how hard that was just to watch yeah. and just, like religion aspects of it and just questioning like our sense of community and all that stuff. And we had a deep conversation about that too. And I, I feel like that's boosting your score as well. Cause you came out of that movie just like, even though it is a sad, very, very sad movie. Very sad. It had you like questioning like the spiritual aspects of our day to day lives as well. Right. And well, and it, and it showed me the strength of how, yeah, like their community came together amongst all of this and how like yeah their sense of belonging and sense of yeah their spirituality like kept them strong even though everything was against them it, yeah. it seems but yeah so i mean that that yeah i think it it was very well made i think they had the good interests of telling the story how it should be told um in mind and so for all that, and it was just so well shot, and I don't know, yeah. I did enjoy the time period. I th I think I think it deserves to be in an eight 
category. Whether it's on the lower or the higher end of that spectrum, I'm not sure entirely. But, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know what would make a nine for me at this point. Right. You know? Well, that's why I think maybe eight's a little high. I don't know. Eight could be high, but I'm going to leave it at an eight. What you think? For Killers of the Flower Moon, and I have not read the book. My grandma has, and she talks about how I should read the book. I'm going to give it a 7.1. Okay. I thought it was a solid movie. Um, again, you know, I've talked about my concerns and wanting Leo to like switch it up a little bit, but I understand the true meaning of the story and the devastation to really portray that. But, you know, I, at some point I did think it was a little too long and I'm just screaming at the screen cause I want them to do something else. Yeah. I'm still deciding if I liked when Martin Scorsese came into the film near the very end right. and take, I don't know if it took me out of it or if it like, was like an explanation point to like the no investigation to all these murders. Right. And you know, the movie did make me a little frustrated and sad to see what those people have gone through, but a 7.1 due to, there's always room for a better movie due to the time of it, due to um, some other things I was kind of expecting. And I will say this. Thank you to the trailer makers for leaving so much room for me to figure out what this movie is going for into real. it for real. I, yeah, that's, that's a big part. Right. Yeah. So it, I mean, I'm excited to see more movies. Uh, Benji and I have been going to theaters and it's just a great experience. Get um, back in the theaters. Hashtag. It, it's, it's really fun. Um, hashtag bring back the movies. The, what are your opinions on the recliners? Like, could they go a little bit further back? They could go further back. <laughs> all right y'all that's gonna do it for us benji thank you for being a part of this many more to come seriously we might talk some music and i mean we're just always down to ramble you know what i mean i'm always down you know what i mean so thank you everyone for listening and i'm just gonna do the outro right now thank West. you everyone for listening many more to come we'll be talking to nba very soon i i've just been you know like it hasn't even been 10 games into the season yet i'm letting shit settle these first reactions can be overreactions so I've got an opinion very soon. Wolves look good. Obviously, it's a 5-0 and homestand. 5-2. and Warriors look good. Lakers look questionable. Clippers are a shit show with Harden. If you looked at this team, Harden, Kawhi, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George, five years ago, you wouldn't think like that's a back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back to back. But, you know, it's questionable. Vikes are in an interesting spot. Seattle Seahawks are looking weird. Everything about sports is up in the air more than it ever has been. And that's going to be very exciting for many fans. So I look forward to watching more, talking more. Um, So stay right here. Subscribe and uh, peep any more to come. Thank you all. Peace. Peace.